Hey, it's Otis here. Before we get to the bedtime reading, I wanted to let you know that I just launched a brand new show. It's called The Daily Book Club, a daytime companion to Sleepy, where you hear entire books one chapter at a time, one day at a time. Simple as that. So if Sleepy is how you uh, wind down your day, The Daily Book Club is a great way to start your day. There's new episodes daily. Uh, I read in a slightly peppier voice so that you can get really lost in these amazing stories that have stood the test of time. Or, just like Sleepy, you can sit back and relax and zone out to a good book. The first book we'll be reading is The Enchanted April by Elizabeth Von Arnhem. Story is, in the 1920s, four women unfulfilled with life take a chance and abscond to a dreamy medieval Italian castle. It's a story dripping with wisteria, the beauty of solitude, and an unlikely pursuit of joy in Portofino, Italy. I think that this is a perfect story for the season, and you can hear it now. Find The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. This show has been a long time coming, and I'm so excited to bring you even more stories. So go subscribe to The Daily Book Club to hear what happens next. Thanks. This episode of Sleepy is proudly sponsored by ButcherBox. If you've listened to Sleepy for a while, you know that I love good food, eating well, and treating my body right so that I can take on my days. Well, ButcherBox helps you do exactly that. They deliver super high-quality, 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood right to your door. It's humanely raised, no antibiotics or added hormones, they have a huge variety to choose from. They are excellent deals. They've got recipes and guides and tips included. And there's free shipping, always. Eating well is a huge factor in getting a good night's sleep, as is sometimes saving the trip to the grocery store and taking some stress out of your daily schedule. I have been loving these deliveries for those reasons. Been cooking up their uh, steak tips with eggs in the morning with butter and scallions and soy sauce. And I also made a delicious brine chicken roast with lemon parsley gravy. So good. The prices for this kind of quality and convenience is really impressive. Uh, yeah, ButcherBox has made me very happy. So sign up at butcherbox.com sleepy and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Butcherbox.com sleepy. Eat well, sleep well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. A podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep. 
We've got a lovely story from the wonderful world of Oz tonight for you. Uh, a story by L. Frank Baum. I think you're really going to like. Before we get to the bedtime reading, I just want to thank our brand new patrons on Patreon.com, which is a website where you can pledge a couple bucks for an ad-free version of the show, or just click the uh, little blue sleepy logo um, banner at the top of your Spotify page when you listen to Sleepy. So, this week's brand new patrons, Monet Dreams, Sarah S., Rebecca Trussell, Laura Gilbert, Samonson, Julia Walker Jewel, Glowing Supernova, Kevin Kosherak, Sia, Stephanie Fox, Tiffany, and Howard Simmons. Thank you all so, so much for being a part of making this show. It really, really, really means a lot. So thank you. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, these names that I just read, they are brand new supporters of Sleepy on Patreon.com. Um, that's just a place where you can go and support creators of the work that you like. So if you like Sleepy, maybe you listen every night and consider becoming a patron of the show. At $2 a month, um, like I said, you get access to the totally ad-free version of the show. And at $5, you get access to the Sleepy Poetry Feed with over 50 other episodes you have not heard before. Uh, but no matter how much you donate, even if it's a dollar, I will read your name in the opening credits of the next show after you do. So again, if you would like to be a part of making this show, then just go to patreon.com slash sleepy radio and donate $2. Or just go to the blue sleepy logo at the top of the Spotify banner and click that. Thank you so, so much. And as always, the music you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover-up for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Well, tonight, um, I'm going to be reading a story by L. Frank Baum, and this is, uh, this is another story from his Oz series, which I think a lot of people, including myself, did not know the breadth of the Oz series and how many uh, stories from that world there really are, other than, you know, The Wizard of Oz. And throughout this year, I'm going to be reading a handful of Oz stories that I think you're really going to like and that I really enjoy reading. So tonight, I'm going to be reading his book, The Patchwork Girl of Oz which is a delightful little story that I hope you love going to sleep to. So, without further ado, The Patchwork Girl of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable Close your eyes and let me read to you.
Chapter 1 Ojo and Unknanki Where's the butter, Unknanki? asked Ojo. Unk looked out of the window and stroked his long beard. Then he turned to the munchkin boy and shook his head. Isn't, said he. Isn't any butter. That's too bad, Unk. Where's the jam then, inquired Ojo, standing on his stool so he could look through all the shelves of the cupboard. But Unk shook his head again. Gone, he said. No jam either, and no cake, no jelly, no apples, nothing but bread. All, said Unk, again stroking his beard as he gazed from the window. The little boy brought the stool and sat beside his uncle, munching the dry bread slowly and seeming in deep thought. Nothing grows in our yard but the bread tree, he mused and there are only two more loaves on that tree, and they're not ripe yet. Tell me, Unc, why are we so poor? The old munchkin turned and looked at Ojo. He had kindly eyes, but he hadn't smiled or laughed in so long that the boy had forgotten that Unc Nunky could look any other way than solemn. And Unc never spoke any more words than he was obliged to. So his little nephew who lived alone with him, had learned to understand a great deal from one word. Why are we so poor, Unc? repeated the boy. Nah, said the old munchkin. I think we are, declared Ojo. What have we got? House, said Unknanki. I know, but everyone in the land of Oz has a place to live. What else, Unc? Bread. I'm eating the last loaf that's ripe. There, I put aside your share, Unc. It's not on the table, so you can eat it when you get hungry. But when that is gone, what shall we eat, Unc? The old man shifted in his chair, but merely shook his head. Of course, said Ojo, who was obliged to talk because his uncle would not. No one starves in the land of Oz either. There's plenty for everyone, you know. Only, if it isn't just where you happen to be, you must go where it is. The aged munchkin wriggled again and stared at his small nephew as if disturbed by his argument. But tomorrow morning, the boy went on, we must go where there is something to eat or we shall grow very hungry and become very unhappy. Where? asked Unc. Where shall we go? I don't know, I'm sure, replied Ojo. But you must know, Unc. You must have traveled in your time, because you're so old. I don't remember it, because ever since I could remember anything, we lived right here in this lonesome round house with a little garden back of it, and the thick woods all round. All I've ever seen of the great land of Oz, Unc dear, is the view of that mountain over at the south, where they say the hammerheads live, who won't let anyone go by them, and that mountain at the north, where they say nobody lives. 
One, declared Unc, correcting him. Oh, yes, one family lives there, I've heard. That's the crooked magician, who is named Dr. Pift, and his wife, Margalot. One year you told me about them. I think it took you a whole year, Unc, to say as much as I've just said about the crooked magician and his wife. They live high up on the mountain, in the good munchkin country, where the fruits and flowers grow, is just the other side. It's funny you and I should live here all along, in the middle of the forest, isn't it? Yes, said Unc. Then let's go away and visit the munchkin country and its jolly, good-natured people. I'd love to get sight of something besides woods, Unc Nunky. Too little, said Unc. Why, I'm not so little as I used to be, answered the boy earnestly. I think I can walk as far and as fast through the woods as you can, Unc. And now that nothing grows in our backyard that is good to eat, we must go where there is food. Unkanunky made no reply for a time. Then he shut down the window and turned his chair to face the room, for the sun was sinking behind the treetops and it was growing cool. By and by, Ojo lighted the fire and the logs blazed freely in the broad fireplace. The two sat in the firelight a long time, the old white-bearded munchkin and the little boy. Both were thinking. When it grew quite dark outside, Ojo said, Eat your bread, Unc, and then we will go to bed. But Unknunky did not eat the bread. Neither did he go directly to bed. Long after his little nephew was sound asleep in the corner of the room, the old man sat by the fire, thinking. Chapter 2 The Crooked Magician Just at dawn next morning, Unknunky laid his hand tenderly on Ojo's head and awakened him. Come, he said. Ojo dressed. He wore blue silk stockings, blue knee pants with gold buckles, a blue ruffled waist and a jacket of bright blue braided with gold. His shoes were of blue leather and turned up at the toes, which were pointed. His hat had a peaked crown and a flat brim, and around the brim was a row of tiny golden bells that tinkled when he moved. This was the native costume of those who inhabited the munchkin country of the Land of Oz, so Unknunky's dress was much like that of his nephew. Instead of shoes, the old man wore boots with turnover tops, and his blue coat had wide cuffs of gold braid. The boy noticed that his uncle had not eaten the bread and supposed that the old man had not been hungry. Ojo was hungry, though, so he divided the piece of bread upon the table and ate his half for breakfast, washing it down with fresh, cool water from the brook. Unk put the other piece of bread in his jacket pocket, after which he again said, 
as he walked out through the doorway. Come. Ojo was well pleased. He was dreadfully tired of living all alone in the woods and wanted to travel and see people. For a long time, he had wished to explore the beautiful land of Oz in which they live. When they were outside, Unc simply latched the door and started up the path. No one would disturb their little house, even if anyone came so far into the thick forest while they were gone. At the foot of the mountain that separated the country of the Munchkins from the country of the Gillikins, the path divided. One way led to the left and the other to the right, straight up the mountain. Unk Nunky took this right-hand path and Ojo followed without asking why. He knew it would take them to the house of the crooked magician, whom he had never seen, but who was their nearest neighbor. All the morning they trudged up the mountain path, and at noon Unk and Ojo sat on a fallen tree trunk and ate the last of the bread which the old munchkin had placed in his pocket. Then they started on again, and two hours later came in sight of the house of Dr. Pip. It was a big house, brown, as were all the munchkin houses, and painted blue, which is the distinctive color of the munchkin country of Oz. There was a pretty garden around the house, where blue trees and blue flowers grew in abundance, and in one place were beds of blue cabbages, blue carrots and blue lettuce, all of which were delicious to eat. In Dr. Pip's garden grew bun trees, cake trees, cream puff bushes, blue buttercups which yielded excellent blue butter, and a row of chocolate caramel plants. Paths of blue gravel divided the vegetable and flower beds, and a wider path led up to the front door. The place was in a clearing on the mountain, but a little way off was the grim forest, which completely surrounded it. Unk knocked at the door of the house, and a chubby, pleasant-faced woman, dressed in all blue, opened it and greeted the visitors with a smile. Ah, said Ojo, you must be Dame Margalette, the good wife of Dr. Pip. I am, my dear, and all strangers are welcome to my home. May we see the famous magician, madam? He is very busy just now, she said, shaking her head doubtfully. But come in, and let me give you something to eat for you must have traveled far in order to get to our lonely place. We have, replied Ojo, as he and Unk entered the house. We have come from a far lonelier place than this. A lonelier place, and in the munchkin country, she exclaimed, then it must be somewhere in the blue forest. It is, good Dame Margala. Dear me, she said, looking at the man. You must be Unk Nunky, known as the Silent One. Then she looked at the boy. And you must be Ojo the Unlucky, she added. 
Yes, said Unc. I never knew I was called the Unlucky, said Ojo, soberly. But it is really a good name for me. Well, remarked the woman, as she bustled around the room and set up the table and brought food from the cupboard. You were unlucky to live alone in that dismal forest, which is much worse than the forest around here. But perhaps your luck will change, now that you are away from it. If during your travels you can manage to lose that un at the beginning of your name, unlucky, you will then become Ojo the Lucky, which will be a great improvement. How can I lose that un, Dame Margalah? I do not know how, but you must keep the matter in mind and perhaps the chance will come to you, she replied. Ojo had never eaten such a fine meal in all his life. There was a savory stew, smoking hot, a dish of blue peas, a bowl of sweet milk of a delicate blue tin, and a blue pudding with blue plums in it. When the visitors had eaten heartily of this fare, the woman said to them, Do you wish to see Dr. Pipt on business or for pleasure? Unk shook his head. We are traveling, replied Ojo, and we stopped at your house just to rest and refresh ourselves. I do not think Unknucky cares very much to see the famous crooked magician. But for my part, I am curious to look at such a great man. The woman seemed thoughtful. I remember that Unc Nunky and my husband used to be friends many years ago, she said. So perhaps they will be glad to meet again. The magician is very busy, as I said. But if you will promise not to disturb him, you may come into his workshop and watch him prepare a wonderful charm. Thank you, replied the boy, much pleased. I would like to do that. She led the way to a great domed hall at the back of the house, which is the magician's workshop. There was a row of windows extending nearly around the sides of the circular room, which rendered the place very light and there was a back door in addition to the one leading to the front part of the house. Before the row of windows, a broad seat was built, and there were some chairs and benches in the room besides. At one end stood a great fireplace, in which a blue log was blazing with a blue flame, and over the fire hung four kettles in a row, all bubbling and steaming at a great rate. The magician was stirring all four of these kettles at the same time, two with his hands and two with his feet, to the latter wooden ladles being strapped, for this man was so very crooked that his legs were as handy as his arms. Unknunky came forward to greet his old friend, but not being able to shake either his hands or his feet, which were all occupied in stirring, he patted the magician's bald head and asked, What? Ah, it's the silent one, remarked Dr. Pip, without looking up, and he wants to know what I'm making. 
Well, when it is quite finished, this compound will be the wonderful powder of life, which no one knows how to make but myself. Whenever it is sprinkled on anything, that thing will at once come to life, no matter what it is. It takes me several years to make this magic powder, but at this moment, I am pleased to say it's nearly done. You see, I am making it for my good wife, Margalot, who wants to use some of it for a purpose of her own. Sit down and make yourself comfortable, Unknunky. And after I finish my task, I will talk to you. You must know, said Margalot, when they were all seated together on the broad window seat, that my husband foolishly gave away all the powder of life he first made to old Mombi the witch, who used to live in the country of the Gillikins to the north of here. Mombi gave to Dr. Pitt a powder of perpetual youth in exchange for his powder of life. But she cheated him wickedly, for the powder of youth was no good and could work no magic at all. Perhaps the powder of life couldn't either, said Ojo. Yes, it is perfection, she declared. The first law we tested on our glass cat, which was not only began to live, but has lived ever since. She's somewhere around the house now. A glass cat, exclaimed Ojo, astonished. Yes, she makes a very pleasant companion, but admires herself a little more than is considered modest and she positively refuses to catch mice, explained Margalot. My husband made the cat some pink brains, but they proved to be too high-bred in particular for a cat, so she thinks it is undignified in her to catch mice. Also, she has a pretty blood-red heart, but is made of a stone, a ruby, I think, and so is rather hard and unfeeling. I think the next glass cat the magician makes will have neither brains nor heart, for then it will not object to catching mice and may prove of some use to us. What did old Mombi the witch do with the powder of life your husband gave her? asked the boy. She brought Jack Pumpkinhead to life, for one thing, was the reply. I suppose you've heard of Jack Pumpkinhead. He is now living near Emerald City and is a great favorite with the Princess Ozma, who rules all the Land of Oz. No, I've never heard of him, remarked Ojo. I'm afraid I don't know much about the Land of Oz. You see, I've lived all my life with Unknunky, the Silent One, and there was no one to tell me anything. That is one reason you are Ojo the Unlucky, said the woman in a sympathetic tone. The more one knows, the luckier he is, for knowledge is the greatest gift in life. But tell me, please, what you intend to do with this new lot of the powder of life which Dr. Pift is making. He said his wife wanted it for some special purpose. So do I, she answered. I want it to bring my patchwork girl to life. Oh, a patchwork girl. 
What is that? Ojo asked, for this seemed even more strange and unusual than a glass cat. I think I must show you my patchwork girl, said Margala, laughing at the boy's astonishment, for she is rather difficult to explain. But first I will tell you that, for many years, I have longed for a servant to help me with the housework and to cook the meals and wash the dishes. No servant will come here because the place is so lonely and out of the way. So, my clever husband, the crooked magician, proposed that I make a girl out of some sort of material, and he would make her live by sprinkling over her the powder of life. This seemed an excellent suggestion, and at once Dr. Pip set to work to make a new batch of his magic powder. He has been at it a long, long while, and so I have had plenty of time to make the girl. Yet that task was not so easy as you may suppose. At first I couldn't think what to make her of, but finally in searching through a chest, I came across an old patchwork quilt which my grandmother once made when she was young. What is a patchwork quilt? asked Dojo. A bed quilt made of patches of different kinds and colors of cloth, all neatly sewed together. The patches are of all shapes and sizes, so a patchwork quilt is a very pretty and gorgeous thing to look at. Sometimes it is called a crazy quilt because the patches and colors are so mixed up. We never have used my grandmother's many-colored patchwork quilt, handsome as it is, for we munchkins do not care for any color other than blue, so it has been packed away in the chest for about a hundred years. When I found it, I said to myself that it would do nicely for my servant girl, for when she was brought to life, she would not be proud nor haughty, as the glass cat is, for such a dreadful mixture of colors would discourage her from trying to be as dignified as the blue munchkins are. Is blue the only respectable color then? inquired Ojo. Yes, for a munchkin. All our country is blue, you know. But in other parts of Oz, the people favor different colors. At the Emerald City, where our Princess Ozma lives, green is the popular color. But all munchkins prefer blue to anything else, and when my housework girl is brought to life, she will find herself to be of so many unpopular colors that she'll never dare to be rebellious or impudent, as servants are sometimes liable to be when they are made the same way their mistresses are. Unc Nunky nodded approval. Good idea, he said. And that was a long speech for Unc Nunky, because it was two words. So I cut up the quilt, continued Margala, and made from it a very well-shaped girl, which I stuffed with cotton wadding. I will show you what a good job I did. And she went to a tall cupboard and threw open the doors. Then back she came, lugging in her arms the patchwork girl, which she set upon the bench and propped up so that the figure would not tumble over. Chapter 3 
the patchwork girl. Ojo examined this curious contrivance with wonder. The patchwork girl was taller than he when she stood upright, and her body was plump and rounded because it had been so neatly stuffed with cotton. Margalai had first made the girl's form from the patchwork quilt, and then she had dressed it with a patchwork skirt and an apron with pockets in it, using the same gay material throughout. Upon the feet, she had sewn a pair of red leather shoes with pointed toes. All the fingers and thumbs of the girl's hands had been carefully formed and stuffed and stitched at the edges, with gold plates at the end to serve as fingernails. She'll have to work when she comes to life, said Margalot. The head of the patchwork girl was the most curious part of her. While she waited for her husband to finish making his powder of life, the woman had found ample time to complete the head as her fancy dictated. She realized that a good servant's head must be properly constructed. The hair was of brown yarn and hung down on her neck in several neat braids. Her eyes were two silver suspender buttons cut from a pair of the magician's old trousers and they were sewed on with black threads which formed the pupils of the eyes. Margalai had puzzled over the ears for some time, for these were important if the servant was to hear distinctly. But finally, she had made them out of thin plates of gold and attached them in place by means of stitches through tiny holes bored in the metal. Gold is the most common metal in the land of Oz and is used for many purposes because it is soft and pliable. The woman had cut a slit for the patchwork girl's mouth and sewn two rows of white pearls in it for teeth, using a strip of scarlet plush for a tongue. This mouth Ojo considered very artistic and lifelike, and Margalot was pleased when the boy praised it. There were almost too many patches on the face of the girl for her to be considered strictly beautiful, for one cheek was yellow and the other red, her chin blue, her forehead purple, and the center, where her nose had been formed and padded, a bright yellow. You ought to have had her face all pink, suggested the boy. I suppose so, but I had no pink cloth, replied the woman. Still, I cannot see as it matters much, for I wish my patchwork girl to be useful rather than ornamental. If I get tired of looking at her patched face, I can just whitewash it. Has she any brains? asked Ojo. No, I forgot all about the brains, exclaimed the woman. I'm glad you reminded me of them, for it is not too late to supply them by any means. Until she is brought to life, I can do anything I please with this girl. But I must be careful not to give her too much brains, for those she has must be such as are fitted to the station she is to occupy in life. In other words, her brains mustn't be very good. Wrong, said Unc Nunky. No, I am sure I am right about that, returned the woman. He means, explained Ojo 
that unless your servant has good brains, she won't know how to obey you properly, nor do the things you ask her to do. Well, that may be true, agreed Margala, but on the contrary, a servant with too much brains is sure to become independent and high and mighty and feel above her work. This is a very delicate task, as I said, and I must take care to give the girl just the right quantity of the right sorts of brains. I want her to know just enough, but not too much. With this, she went to another cupboard, which was filled with shells. All the shells were lined with blue glass bottles, neatly labeled by the magician to show what they contained. One whole shelf was marked, Brain Furniture, and the bottles on this shelf were labeled as follows. Obedience, Cleverness, Judgment, Courage, Ingenuity, Amiability, Learning, Truth, Posy, Self-Reliance. Let me see, said Margala, of those qualities she must have, obedience first of all. And she took down the bottle bearing that label and poured from it upon a dish several grains of the contents. Amiability is also good and true. She poured into the dish a quantity from each of these bottles. I think that will do, she continued, for the other qualities are not needed in a servant. Unknunky, who with Ojo stood beside her, touched the bottle marked cleverness. Little, said he. A little cleverness. Well, perhaps you are right, sir, said she, and was about to take down the bottle when the crooked magician suddenly called to her excitedly from the fireplace. Quick, Margala, come and help me. She ran to her husband's side at once and helped him lift the four kettles from the fire. Their contents had all boiled away, leaving in the bottom of each kettle a few grains of fine white powder. Very carefully, the magician removed this powder, placing it all together in a golden dish, where he mixed it with a golden spoon. When the mixture was complete, there was scarcely a handful, all told. That, said Dr. Pip, in a pleased and triumphant tone, is the wonderful powder of life, which I alone, in the world, know how to make. It has taken me nearly six years to prepare these precious grains of dust, but the little heap on that dish is worth the price of a kingdom, and many a king would give all he has to possess it. When it has become cooled, I will place it in a small bottle. In the meantime, I must watch it carefully, lest a gust of wind blow it away or scatter it. Unknunky, Margala, and the magician all stood looking at the marvelous powder, but Ojo was more interested just then in the patchwork girl's brains. Thinking it both unfair and unkind to deprive her of any good qualities that were handy, the boy took down every bottle on the shelf and poured some of the contents in Margalot's dish. No one saw him do this, for all were looking at the powder of life, 
but soon the woman remembered what she had been doing and came back to the cupboard. Let's see, she remarked. I was about to give my girl a little cleverness, which is the doctor's substitute for intelligence, a quality he has not yet learned how to manufacture. Taking down the bottle of cleverness, she added some of the powder to the heap on the dish. Ojo became a bit uneasy at this, for he had already put quite a lot of cleverness powder in the dish, but he dared not interfere, so he comforted himself with the thought that one cannot have too much cleverness. Margalot now carried the dish of brains to the bench. Ripping the seam of the patch on the girl's forehead, she placed the powder within the head and then sewed up the seam as neatly and securely as before. My girl is all ready for your powder of life, my dear, she said to her husband. But the magician replied, This powder must not be used before tomorrow morning, but I think it is now cool enough to be bottled. He selected a small gold bottle with a pepper box top so that the powder might be sprinkled on any object through the small holes. Very carefully, he placed the powder of life in the gold bottle and then locked it up in a drawer of his cabinet. Alas, said he, rubbing his hands together gleefully, I have ample leisure for a good talk with my old friend Unc Nunky. So let us sit down cozily and enjoy ourselves. After stirring those four kettles for six years, I am glad to have a little rest. You'll have to do most of the talking, said Ojo, for Unc is called the silent one and uses few words. I know, but that renders your uncle a most agreeable companion in gossip, declared Dr. Pip. Most people talk too much, so it is a relief to find one who talks too little. Ojo looked at the magician with much awe and curiosity. Don't you find it very annoying to be so crooked, he asked. No, I am quite proud of my person, was the reply. I suppose I am the only crooked magician in all the world. Some others are accused of being crooked, but I am the only genuine. He really was very crooked and Ojo wondered how he managed to do so many things with such a twisted body. When he sat down upon a crooked chair that had been made to fit him, one knee was under his chin and the other near the small of his back. But he was a cheerful man, and his face bore a pleasant and agreeable expression. I am not allowed to perform magic except for my own amusement, he told his visitors as he lighted a pipe with a crooked stem and began to smoke. Too many people were working magic in the land of Oz, and so our lovely Princess Ozma put a stop to it. I think she was quite right. There were several wicked witches who caused a lot of trouble, but now they are all out of business, and only the great sorceress, Glinda the Good, is permitted to practice her arts, which never harm anybody. The Wizard of Oz, who used to be a humbug and knew no magic at all, has been taking lessons of Glinda, and I'm told he is getting to be a pretty good wizard. 
but he is merely the assistant of the great sorceress. I have the right to make a servant girl for my wife, you know, or a glass cat to catch our mice, which she refuses to do. But I am forbidden to work magic for others, or to use it as my profession. Magic must be a very interesting study, said Ojo. It truly is, asserted the magician. In my time, I've performed some magical feats that were worthy of the skill of Glinda the Good. For instance, there's the powder of life and my liquid of petrification, which is contained in that bottle on the shelf yonder, over the window. What does the liquid of petrification do? inquired the boy. Turns everything it touches to solid marble. It's an invention of my own, and I find it very useful. Once two of these dreadful Kaladas, with bodies like bears and heads like tigers, came here from the forest to attack us. But I sprinkled some of that liquid on them, and instantly they turned to marble. I now use them as ornamental statuary in my garden. This table looks to you like wood. And once it really was wood, but I sprinkled a few drops of the liquid of petrification on it, and now it is marble. It will never break nor wear out. Fine, said Unknunky, wagging his head and stroking his long gray beard. Dear me, what a chatterbox you're getting to be, Unk, remarked the magician, who was pleased with the compliment. But just then, there came a scratching at the back door, and a shrill voice cried, Let me in. Hurry up, can't you? Let me in. Margalot got up and went to the door. Ask like a good cat then, she said. Meow. There. Does that suit your royal highness? Asked the voice in scornful accents. Yes. That's proper cat talk, declared the woman, and opened the door. At once a cat entered, came to the center of the room, and stopped short at the sight of strangers. Ojo and Unknunky both stared at it with wide open eyes, for surely... No such curious creature had ever existed before, even in the land of Oz. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.